As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Up in the morning and out to school. The teacher is teaching the golden rule. American history and practical man. Study him hard and hoping to pass. Working your fingers right down to the bone. All right, welcome to episode three of season five. This is our 52nd episode overall of Now We're Talking. I am your host, Dr. David Jack, uh, superintendent of Fokker County Public Schools. And we have a very special guest with us today, Jimmy Casas. And I'm going to read to you. Uh, what my trusty assistant has written about Jimmy, and now I'm gonna I'll, I'll share a couple of other thoughts. Jimmy is a champion of student and students and educators. He served 22 years as a school leader. He's a best-selling author. Most recently, uh, authored a book called Recalibrate, which uh, is outstanding. In fact, so good I bought it. I didn't not I we the central office bought it for um, all of our uh, administrators. But uh, Jimmy is a speaker a leadership coach and a state and national award-winning principal. And I will say this, um, there's, there are two people, I'm, I'm, this is my 33rd year in education, 25th, I think, in, as an administrator. And so I've heard a lot of speakers and I've attended a lot of workshops, et cetera, et cetera. And there are, there are exactly two people who I would stop everything to go and listen to and participate with. And they are Pedro Naguera and Jimmy Casas. And that that is that is the truth. So that's esteemed company. Um, wow, yeah, David, you are uh, way too kind in Pedro uh, yet. I would, I would join you with to go watch Pedro. Absolutely. Pedro is uh, Pedro's one of my heroes as are you. So we've, uh, I actually, I heard Pedro speak at Lynchburg College um, Gosh, when I was an AP, probably like in 90, 96 or 97. That's how that's how long, how far back. But no, we're just we're we're we are honored to have you with us, Jimmy. And um you've presented and 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 helped our administrators here in Fauquier County uh several times, and we've greatly appreciated and benefited from that. Um so just a few things quickly. Um you can listen to this podcast uh at www.fcps1podcast.org. 
And episodes are also available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. And before we get started, I did want to thank our sponsors. Uh, they are Alan Wayne Limited. Alan Wayne Limited is stocked with a diverse, talented team that works strategically and collaboratively with our clients to create phenomenal brands. We crave challenges, we solve problems, and we develop solutions. Please visit our website, www.alanwayne.com. Also, thanks to Appleton Campbell Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, and who have been a long-standing supporter of Hawker County Public Schools. Um, with Appleton Campbell, you're sure the best in customer service from your first call through through an aftercare and beyond. Uh, so they're also uh, they're reachable at www.appletoncampbell.com. And last but not least, Joe's Pizza and Marshall mentioned this podcast and received 15% off. That's up from 10% last year. Uh, and it is Tuesday, and Tuesday is my Joe's Pizza Day. Uh, uh, traditionally, uh, connect with friends there and enjoy a slice of pizza or two. And Joe's is great, great people, really nice staff. And all you got to do is mention this podcast, and you get 15% off. And uh, we're still looking for sponsors. So if you're interested, um, just reach out to Ginger Farmer at uh, ginger.farmerfcps1.org. And uh, it's just a hundred bucks. Jimmy, you might be interested in sponsoring. I was just going to say, I mean, for a slice of pizza, I'm, I'm all in. I don't even, I don't need, I just need a slice of pizza. It's, it's the, it's the best pizza around. Okay. Now, awesome. as I mentioned, we do have bucket of questions. So um, whichever question I pull out of the bucket, you must answer. Oh, you just get right into the bucket of questions. Cause oh, yeah. I can see Tara right now. She's probably all fired up for this part of it. Let's just do it. Um, yeah, well, and the, it's time for new questions. I, all total, total uh, transparency. It's time for new questions. These questions are they're starting to get dog-eared. All right, but here's your question: If alien landed, if aliens landed on Earth tomorrow, and offered to take you home with them, would you go? I think probably at this stage. Go ahead. Probably at this stage in my life, I might go. I, I might just go for it. Yep. Absolutely. But, but I mean, I've done, I've done, you know, I'm old. So what else is there to do? Right? Yeah, but what did you, you're getting ready to get married, aren't you? Yeah, but maybe that's oh, part of it. <laughs> maybe that's part of the deal? Oh, be, right? No. It's a package. No, I, I thought I just assumed I could take her with me. So. Oh, yeah, that's, it says that in the fine print, actually. I mean, it didn't say I wasn't coming back, right? I just thought I just could go check it out and come back. I mean, if I can never come back, then it might change my response. So Okay. Yeah. Well, I think you're overthinking it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> um, again, thank you. Uh, thanks for being with you're us. Um, I, I wanted to just start off with an observation that I made about you right away, very early on. And uh, that I just greatly respect. And um, as I mentioned, I've heard a lot. I mean, I've heard a ton of speakers. I think we probably all, all, all are. But you're so inspirational. The one, one of the reasons you're so inspirational to me personally is you don't mind being um, making yourself vulnerable. And you don't mind um, sort of um, demonstrating humility when you present. And I think that's kind of a lost art. Uh, you know, you don't hear much of that. Uh, from speakers um, and presenters and coaches, but I've always respected that about you. I mean, you'll you'll share your your you know some heartaches and some difficult times and and uh, some some uh, 
you know, not some great choices or whatever that you made. And I'm just wondering, where does that come from? Like, where do you, where does that emulate from? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly, to be honest with you, other than the fact that I, I mean, I feel like my parents were always vulnerable, right? You know, growing up, I feel like they were just always very, very raw, just wore their emotions on their sleeve. And quite frankly, you know, they're very proudful people. And I think that's one of the things that's, is I feel like they know who they are. And when you know who you are, and you're just really proud of who you are, you also, you own it all, right? You own everything that comes with it, right? We're, it's the more humanistic side of it, I guess. That's what I would say is, is, um, is I think if we could just all understand that we're not perfect beings, right? People do the best they can and they do become values over, over time, right? You begin to understand and see things through a different, through a certain perspective with certain lens. And you just, I mean, I think we just sometimes, you know, life is really short and tomorrow's never promised. And so I'm not sure why we spend so much time trying to figure out you know, and, and be so unkind to people when there's no reason to do that. So, but I don't know, it's probably, you know, I grew up in a very religious household, my, my mother and father, um, my mother's, you know, my grandparents on my mother's side, super Catholic. I still have visions of them as a child going to their house. Um, there are candles lit everywhere. There are pictures everywhere. You can't go down the hallway without listening to my grandfather. I can see him right now. Um, my grandparents, my mother prays the rosary twice a day, still today has every day for her entire life that I can remember. And, um, so yeah, I think it's just part of who we are. So, yeah, I just, um, I think it's very cool. And, um, you don't, you just don't get a lot of that. You know, you, you typically get the other, the opposite. Yeah. And, uh, I, part think of it, I think the pride part of it, David is you do get to the point and I feel like maybe I got there a little earlier but I've always believed this. I don't worry about what people think, right? I really don't. People always thought, I would always tell me, even as a principal, I mean, I had really thick skin, right? Uh, just because, I mean, I know who I am. I mean, I, I do. And my parents know who they raised. And I mean, I, I cherish my parents. I cherish my God. And I don't really care too much after that. <laughs> At the end of the day, and my children now, right? I want to make my children proud and I want to make my parents proud. And or God proud, but other than that, I don't really worry too much about what other people, because I can't control it. There's too much good that comes with it, right? I mean, even think like social media, people say that to me all the time, like, oh my God, social media is so terrible, man. Like, I know, but you can't complain about social media when you want all the good stuff from social media, right? You can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, I only want all the good stuff, but leave the yucky stuff out, right? And I'm like, I mean, I, I got haters just like everybody else. The difference is I just don't let, I don't let them live rent free in my head. I just don't do that. Right. I just choose not to do that. So. Yeah. I, I um, I just appreciate those words. I, I social media to me is like the ultimate uh, good, bad, yin, yang. It's to me, it's, you're right. I mean, it's yeah. like, I heard a baseball player, Reggie Jackson, I think said at one time, why, why don't you ever acknowledge cheers? And he said, well, I can't acknowledge the booze. So. I don't, I don't acknowledge the cheers either. I thought well, that's kind of interesting, mm -hmm. but I, yeah. what I don't understand in social media is people who intentionally use it to try to inflict pain. And, you know, I've never understood that. Um, right. It is what it is. But I always look at it as there's people who just want to inflict pain no matter what. So I don't understand them regardless whether it's on social media or whether it's at the bus stop or it's at the grocery store, it's driving down the street, right? It, it's just social media, is another platform to do that. But but I also say this, I'm not doing what I'm doing today without social media. 
So that's the part you have to understand, right? Like be, there are so many things because of the social media that allowed me to launch a career, right? To launch a, a lifestyle or brand a school or connect me with my best friends today. All of my best friends I've met on social media. And so I just focus on all the good and realize with everything, every good comes from bad. And so, yeah, not, yeah, that's okay. The good, it's just like anything else. The good so much outweighs the bad that I just focused on that. So. That's true. Um, uh, great point. Tell me, ask a, a quick question. You So you must have started as a teacher, right? Prior to becoming yep. an administrator. Yep. What did you teach? Yeah, I was a classroom teacher. I started my career in Milwaukee Public Schools. I was a bilingual ed teacher teaching Spanish for Spanish speakers and taught social studies as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. Yeah, my, my dad is actually from Milwaukee, ironically. Oh, I went, yeah. I went to Marquette. Um, yeah, I started. I, it's so funny, David, because I, um, I actually did a volunteer stint at an elementary school in uh, Iowa City, Iowa, because I was actually waiting. I was going through a process to be an FBI agent. And wow. I had two years to wait for that. And while I was waiting, I didn't have anything to do. So I was already finished with school. I was managing a bar and I needed something to do during the day. So I, and somebody will laugh at this, but you would actually open up the newspaper, go through the one ads, and there'd be a little section and say, oh, looking for volunteer ESL, you know, and so I started volunteering at Kirkwood Elementary School in Coralville, Iowa, with a teacher named Barb Heiger. And uh, I, I started two hours a week. And by the time I was finished working there, I was working like every day. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, I didn't else to do and I loved it. And so I'm like, why am I not doing this instead? And so but I was like, no, I'm going to be an FBI agent. And then that fell through at the very last minute. I failed my final physical after passing all the exams. And I was crushed, right? Because now that was my dream. And now what was I going to do? And then my family's like, well, you've been talking about this elementary school you've been working at. Maybe you should go do that. So that's what I did. I decided to go in that direction. Lewis just chimed in and says, I can somehow I can see Jimmy as an FBI agent. Yeah, me too. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I was would... going to Quantico, Virginia. I already had my date and everything. It was crazy. Oh. So that's so that's how you got into teaching. What was the motivator or what was the thing that got you into administration? And then uh, what moved what made you decide to go from being an administrator to doing what you're doing now, being an author and a presenter, yeah. et cetera? Yeah, you know, just like everything else, right? We're all here because people helped us get where we're at today, right? Nobody does this on their own. And so for me, when I got to Milwaukee, you know, I had already been in school for so long, even for a person who hated school, which is the irony of all of it. But I was literally into my first semester of teaching Milwaukee Public Schools when uh, my assistant principal and my principal said to me, you should consider going into administration, right? Oh. Um, and um, I was like, didn't really think about that. And I said, like, well, I just started teaching. I'm just tired of going to school. And I said, like, I really don't want to go back to school right now. I've been going to school. It seems like forever. And they're like, no, you need to go. And then, you know, they, they gave me a name of a person to go visit at Cardinal Stritch College. Her name was Nancy Blair. So I did it for them because they were encouraging me and I went, but I met Nancy Blair, David, and I went, oh my God, she is amazing. It was so funny because she was older too at the time. And I was just a young, you know, straight out of college. And and I just had this crush on her because she was just so amazing. She was so smart and she's just so elegant and just so, oh, I don't, there was something about it. It was just awesome. 
And so part of it, I thought if she, I said to her, Nancy, I'll, I'll come to Cardinal Stritch if you're advisor. That's what I told her. And she goes, oh, I'd love to be your advisor. And then she ended up teaching my first class and uh, she was awesome. And then she just put me on the right trajectory. And um, yeah, I just feel like I've always gotten lucky. I don't know what it is. I think it's my mama's rosary prayer, but I've been blessed to be surrounded by the most amazing mentors. I don't know what it is, but I just land in the right place and people just take care of me. I don't know what it is, but um, that's, that's where my blessing is. And then I feel like I've had that all my life. And then, you know, I become a principal and, and uh, at the age of 26, and that's an awfully young time to do it. But again, with the help of some really awesome mentors who believed in me. And, um, and then I stay in that path for 22 years. And I think it all started changing, David, in 2012, because that was the Iowa principal of the year. 2013 was national runner up, uh, invited the White House to speak. And, um, but it was that National Association of Secondary Principals meeting because I, I was not selected. But what happened is they loved my talk, right? Because it was part of the interview was to do a presentation. And so then, of course, they had me start presenting for NASSP and it just keeps blowing up and blowing up and getting bigger and bigger. And then I'm trying to manage being a principal and doing this work. And then I realized that it became so demanding that I believed that I could make a living at it. And so I thought, well, maybe I can make a living at it. And if I can't, guess what? I'll just go back and be a principal or superintendent. I was getting my superintendent's license. That was the path I was going to take. I have that. And I thought, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll just go do something else. But I did it for one year and, and it just went crazy. And so far that it's so much, I had to start hiring people because I couldn't manage it by myself anymore. Wow. And today I feel really good about that. We've got, let's see, one, two, three, three and a half employees, three full-time and one half time. And then I've got about 15 associates uh, that work for me. And then, um, and now of course, a couple of years ago, I started a publishing company and that's keeping us really busy right now, as you all know, and we're staying really busy with that. And so, yeah, just feel really, really blessed. And um, I don't know what I did to deserve it, but I'll take it. And uh, I do believe that hard work pays off. And I do believe it also pays off, though, when you're in the right place at the right time with the right people. Yeah. And, uh, and, they, and they believe in you. So yeah, I, I, you know, periodically, you get asked that question, I get asked that question about, you know, how did it happen? What, what made you decide? And I, sometimes I answer with, you know, sometimes leadership opportunities just find you and you don't really know. You look back and think, how did that happen exactly? <laughs> you know, I, I became an AP because I, I taught AP government and one of my students' mother was the middle school principal. And she she said to me one day, you know, they're, and I was perfectly happy teaching and coaching, by the way. Mm -hmm. she, said, she said, my mom's looking for a new AP. You should, uh, you should apply. And I jokingly said, well, yeah, have her give me a call. And, uh, you know, my people will get in touch with my, her people and that kind of thing. And she did. And like, and within two weeks, I was an AP, just like that. I, I had a master's in curriculum. And I think, yeah. like you said, I think sometimes they just find you and it, yeah. Yeah, so I think people think you'd set it off on this career, like, well, you know, I'm like, no, nah, that's not the way it happened. Just, it right. just happened. And, and people will say to me all the time, David, like, well, what if I, you know, I want to do what you do. And I said, well, I don't know. I did this for 18 years for free. I never charged a penny for it. Right. I just loved teaching. Right. I, and when I, and when you're a principal of 26, right. It was funny because um, I'm an AP and we have this student teacher and she's in the building. Um, and she's, you know, awesome. And, and, um, and we should start talking anyway. So when I complete my, my work and then I become a principal, 
I reconnect with her and now she's doing something with um, UWM and she invites me to come speak to the student teachers there. And the next thing I know, I'm now I'm presenting like, right. And it's just talking about what student teachers can expect when they start teaching. Right. And then that's just kind of how it started. And it just keeps building and building. And I moved to Iowa and I call up my SAI director and, or reach out to them and just say, Hey, I'm a new principal in Iowa. And I'd love to mentor or support any principals that can. I've been a principal now already for, you know, X number of years because I started young and they're like, oh, we've got people that could help some support. And so I started mentoring and the next day, you know, I'm presenting and then I'm doing it all the time. And so it's just, I love to do it. And so it's not like I did it because, oh, this is a career I want. It's, I just love teaching. I love mentoring. I love supporting people. I love watching people get better at what they do, right? Like, that's why I say my why today, and well, not today, but it's been for about 17 and a half years. I know people think it's cheesy. I say, I know, but I believe it. And that is my why is to try to inspire people to be more and do more than they ever thought possible, right? That's, uh, I'm a dreamer and I've always been a dreamer. So, but I'm also a doer. That's the difference. That's what I tell people. I don't just dream it. I'm really focused. Like, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm a workaholic. There's no doubt about that. I got yes. that from my father, but my parents were dreamers and then they were doers, right? I mean, they were migrant workers. They weren't educated. They believed in that, right? They worked hard and they're a perfect example of what, you know, that work ethic is something they always instilled. And that's why I would say my my father used to say, don't, don't uh, make hard work your passion because then it doesn't matter what you decide to do in life, you'll be successful. Wow. That's so, that's outstanding advice. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I just... I, I'm, I, I joked with you about this when you were here last time about the number of books you've written. I, I've, I've written a book and it about killed me. And I think you're up to what, nine now? How many, how many books have you read? Nine? nine. Wow. Okay. You, you've got to be either you don't sleep at all or you or genuinely a workaholic because I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm thoroughly amazed and impressed by that. But um, your last book, Recalibrate, so good and as i mentioned so good that i you know i bought it for everybody here because it, it's it's so important but um can you tell us um a little bit about recalibrate and then the motivation behind writing Re Re recalibrate and secondly um based on looking through the lens of that book what kind of advice would you give new administrators new principals somebody struggling in school leadership like what what would be the kind of the baseline uh, general advice you'd give to those folks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you go back to the start of the pandemic, right? And um, and I almost, I feel bad sometimes about this because, you know, I have friends too, like everybody else who have businesses and, you know, friends who are out of work and, you know, all those types of things that were happening during the pandemic. And for us, our business just blew up, right? It's crazy. It went tenfold. Right. And to the point I kept having to hire people. So I didn't even have enough people to cover all the work in the areas that we had to go to across the country. So and, and the work was getting more demanding for me. And so, you know, you're out in the field and, and you're watching all what's happening. And uh, you just, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I struggled because what I really want to do, David, was to jump back in. Like I want to become a principal again. I'm like, you know, we people are leaving, like leaving the principalship, right? There's schools that don't even have people in place. And I'm like, it's one of those things you get conflicted. You're like, man, maybe I should be back in the school doing this work, right? But anyway, so I'm I'm watching this. And I tell people, I spent most of my time, honestly, talking people off the ledge, people who are just done, exhausted, tired, didn't, it's not worth it, right? I just, I can't do this anymore. 
And then it literally took me back to that, you know, that edge of the couch moment that I was like, oh my God, that was me, right? That's, I'm watching myself right now with other people. And then I, I hate, my heart aches even more for them. So then I, I go into a different gear. I'm like, no, I got to help them. I got to figure this out, right? Like, obviously there's something not right. And so then I just started just really, really laser focused, trying to figure out and trying to see if I could piece it together. So literally I'm on site and I'm coaching and I'm observing. And I would put notes in my phone. I would tell them, hey, I'm just gonna write notes in my phone. And just, these are just for me to kind of process and, but what happened is every day I'd go to a different building, I'd see the same things. It was just in a different building. And it didn't matter whether it was a large district or a small district or a rural district or hell, I was on an Indian reservation. It was the same issues. I'm like, oh my God, well, this is the same issues. And then I just started reflecting on it. And then I'd go home and I'd write crap down and I'd get on my whiteboard and I'd get on my notes and I'm sketching things and trying to just visualize it. What's the issue? Where are the connections? How does it intersect? And that's just how my mind works, right? Because I've got all this crap in here and I got to get it out. So so literally for two years, almost two years, I would just, I had all these notes. You should see my phone. It's disgusting. I would literally do this. But when I'm on the plane, right? Sometimes I'd be on planes with no Wi-Fi. So I'm just looking at my notes and I'm going through my notes. And now I'm trying to categorize it, right? And I'm literally on the plane one day with Keela and we get down and go, Keela, I got to show you this. I want to show you the work I've been doing because- I think there might be a book here. Like, cause I thought I was done. I was like, I don't have anything else in my head. Right. Right. But now all of a sudden I got this fire again going and I show it to her and I go, look, this is what I'm seeing. And I'm, and she's looking at, it, she goes, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> what, where did you get this? I like, I just been writing it down. This is just how my mind works. And <laughs> so I laugh and she goes, Jimmy, this is awesome. And then we just started talking about it. And then, yeah, literally we got back from the airport, drove home. I got in my, I came to my office and I just freaking wrote for like three hours, something my whiteboard. Wow. And I just wrote it all out. And I'm like, and, and then I bring her son in who's 10 years old. And I said, Jack, look at that. I said, you know how you ask Mr. Jimmy all the time, how he writes books. You see that? That's a book. He's like, that's a book. I go, oh yeah, that's a book. You watch, that's going to be a book. And so, yeah. And so, of course, my schedule is so busy, I couldn't write because I'm, I'm a different kind of writer because I hate writing, first of all, to be honest with you. But some people can write like little pieces, little chunks. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a just, I just bulldoze through. I just block some time off and I go for it. So I call Sarah and I say, I need a month off. I need 30 days. And then during that 30 days, I'm going to be home. I said, Akila, honey, I'm, you're not going to see me. This is just how I operate. I'm going to be gone, but 30 days, I need 30 days and I'll be done. And I wrote that book in 30 days. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's ironic. One of my best friends is a, a, a writer. Uh, his name is Todd Komarek. He's actually been a guest on the podcast and he said the same thing. He, he, he presented to a group of our students, um, uh, drama students and whatnot. And he talked about, I, he says, I don't like to write. He says, I get up every morning. I've never once got up and said, well, I can't wait to write today. It's like, I, I've got to make myself write. And for him, it's like he, you know, he said 90% of the stuff I write, no one really sees it because I'm, he's a playwright and he writes book, but he says, you know, most of the stuff I write, no one sees it because it doesn't get, doesn't catch yeah. on with anybody. But he's like, I, and I heard, heard Tina Fey say one time, she said that someone asked her, do you like writing? And she said, I like writing after I've written then, then when I'm done, then I, I love it. 
but the That's act right. of writing itself is work. I mean, it is, it's, it is absolute work. So it's grinding, I, it's agonizing. It's, I can't tell you. There were two days during those 30 days where I called Keela. I said, I just got, I'm just stuck, right? I'm just stuck. And, uh, and literally I would just sit there and look at it. Right. But, but I've learned now that when I get stuck, I just go back and reread. I just go back and reread stuff I've written and then I just polish it up because I'm still working on the book, even though I'm not writing right now. Right. And so I've just learned that over the over the years and writing because, you know, when I wrote Live Your Excellence, I was living in Chicago. I'd wake up and I'd leave because I can't write at home either. So when I was writing, I wasn't writing here at home. But in Chicago, I would get up, I'd go to Starbucks and I'd literally and this is weird. I have to write where there's people. Um, that's the also strange about me because that's just, I, I, I'm a people person. I, I want to be around people while I'm even writing. I don't want to be alone. Right. So I write, so I'd write all morning and then I'd walk somewhere. So I get some steps and then I eat lunch and then I'd go to a different Starbucks and write again. And that's just how I did it. And I wrote live your excellence about three months doing that process. So this time I literally go to the Starbucks here just a mile down the road. And I do the same thing. I go to that Starbucks work all morning grab something to eat, drive to the other Starbucks and write the rest of the night. And that's wow. just how I did it. So really interesting. Thing. Yeah, really mm -hmm. interesting. Okay. So, so what, what do we say to the new principles, right? Yeah. What do we say to yeah. the new principles? Okay. So a couple of things is here's one thing where I really struggle with because when you're 26 and you take this job and you know, you have to prove yourself, right. And you're going to work really hard and you're very passionate and you have all the energy in the world and, you believe in yourself, you just go 100 miles an hour, you're just 100 miles an hour, right? And you're trying to take care of everybody. And uh, I don't really have a plan for the day. I mean, I have notes and I have an agenda and I have a calendar, but I don't really think like, like, how do I take something and move it to, you know, like this. And so the thing that I've learned over the years, and this is where I try to help people today is number one, we just got to slow down. That's the first thing I'd say, just slow down. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is, is intentionality is critical in leadership. Because if you just think about that one word, the word intentional has so many benefits for it. Because when you're intentional, you're just focused and you're making sure that things that you want to do are actually going to get done. That's why I say I'm a doer too, because I'm really intentional about things. And so that's the second thing. So slow down, be really intentional. And then the question is this, is I see myself as and recognize that in order to influence and move people, two things, in my opinion, have to happen. Number one, you have to make a connection with these individuals. And number two, what I learned over time is I quit trying, I quit trying to change people. And that's one thing that I learned where I feel like I matured over my years is I quit trying to change people. And I started trying to influence their thinking because I learned that if I could influence their thinking, then maybe they would change themselves. But I can't influence that thinking if I don't have a connection with this individual. So that's just how I began to see it. And that's what I try to do today. So I try to tell people, I don't really have any answers for anybody, right? That's not my job. I, my job is to grow and develop people. That's what I love to try to do. And that's the last thing I'd say is see yourself as a teacher. You'll always be a teacher. This is why we went into the profession was to teach. You're just teaching adults now. So you still use the same skills, whether it's children or adults, but teaching is about, you got to be able to break it down. Because I always say, we all know what the problem is. 
we all know what it is. We all know why it exists. But you know where I really struggle, David, and I watch people speak and I listen to podcasts and I go watch presentations. And the only thing I get worried about today is everything is so cliche-ish that nobody's telling us how. Wow. How? How? Right? Um, I know what the problem is. I know it's about kids first. I know it's about relationships. But how do I build those relationships? Right? All right. So let's start creating some processes, some frameworks to help people see it differently right right you have to be intentional you have to give people your time right i mean so you start breaking it down and so that's what i believe i'm good at right that's what people tell me i'm good at that i can actually help them see it and then if they can see it then what i i try to create that experience for them right and that's all comes from culturized right i try to create that experience because if they like it then maybe they'll want to replicate it and that's a really healthy culture because that's called that's called investment as opposed to compliance right and yeah. so those are, that's just how I see it today. And I do live most of my life now, personal and professionally, really in mantras, frameworks. I slow down though, because right? I have to see it first before I go to it. And I, what I learned is I always get a better result. I always get a better result, but I can't fix it. That's what I tell people, quit trying to fix everything. You can't. And I would say to you, David, because I love you with all due respect, just slow down and quit trying to fix everything because you can't. It's not your job to fix everything. Your job is to grow and develop your people and create experiences for them so they believe they can get a better result if they change themselves. That's what this is all about. That goes back to the personal. This is personal growth. This is all this is. We get one life. We get one chance right here. You get better. That's all you got to do. You get better, you'll get better results. We um, thank you for that. Uh, we we had uh, Tara and Lewis actually organized the first ever uh, TEDx Warrington event this past Saturday, and um, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was great, and I was I was blessed, and and that I was uh, picked to be one of the the presenters, and uh, it was so intimidating listening to these people. Like, man, these people are because I was on towards the end. I'm like, wow, these people are really good, but my my. Um, presentation was about the teacher shortage and just about you know the time for you know, courageous leadership and um, and your comments made me think one of the things I said was you know schools we were talking about I was talking about school shootings and school violence and you know schools will do whatever they have to do to keep those kids safe they really will like they'll do whatever they have to do to ensure the safety of students and staff and whatnot in, in schools but um, what they don't necessarily see is what's, you know, what's government doing? What's, what's the federal government doing? Like, what are they doing to help with this issue? And they don't, they don't see much happening and it is overwhelming. It's like, you know, now these days, so much of the conversation around school leadership administration is about safety and security and this, that, and the other. And it's kind of a shame. It's like, man, wouldn't it be great if they could just focus on teaching and learning and, supporting teachers and this ridiculousness about we need to arm teachers is insane it's like I, mm -hmm. it's it's so overwhelming for school administrators and then you know as you know if, if you're overwhelmed as an administrator teachers are going to see that you're overwhelmed they're going to see yeah. you're stressed out then they're going to be stressed out and they're going to be overwhelmed and that slow down piece is wow that that resonates with me even as an old man i mean it it's resonates totally I was reminded yesterday that the guy from the, the state superintendent association was at our retreat for our region. And he looked at me and he goes, 
because Jack, you know, um, there's only one or two superintendents in the state who have been, are, who are longer tenured than you. And I'm like, that can't be true. Like you're full, you're, his name's name Scott Braver. I'm like, Scott, that can't, he goes, no. He goes, there's like three other guys, you know, that have more tenure than you. I'm like, that's crazy. Cause I can remember when, you know, when I first started, there were guys that had been in for 25, 30 years and it's just overwhelming. They don't stay yeah. in it. They're not, they're not grounded and, or they're just, they're just over it. So it's such great advice that you're giving to anyone. Old, old guys like me are brand new people. Slow down, be yourself, yeah. do what you can do. There's two things on that, David, uh, that reminded me when I was in Bettendorf, I had been the principal at Bettendorf only three years. And at the end of my third year, there were 12 schools in our conference. And I remember going to a principal's meeting and realized that after three years, only one principal was longer tenured than me. Three in, years. In our, in our, in our, in our uh, conference. And it's sad, right? To think how much turnover is happening amongst in leadership, right? We know every time there's a turnover, it's, that's not good for culture of our organizations, right? Because it brings a lot of anxiety, a lot of apprehension, what's going to happen. People worry about things and that's not good. But the part with the slowing down, I think, and maybe you'll agree with this, I don't know, but I don't know what your experience is, but here's what I, I know as I've done this work longer. The reason that I tell people if they slow down and begin to see it differently, almost everything that we've always rushed towards or rushed through in school leadership, because we were worried that something was going to happen or some, we needed to do something better. Um, if you look back now, everything always seems to turn out okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's part of that just wisdom that you begin to see it like, hey, this it's going to be fine. I mean, yeah, right now it sucks and it's not the best and, you know, but you do know we're going to get through this and it'll be fine and we'll learn from it. We'll get better from it. And, and I think if you take, if you think through that, I think I actually take that into my own personal life, right? Relationships or, you know, we have children and issues with our children or with our spouses or with our friends. It, it's going to be fine. We'll work through it. But as soon as we rush through it, as soon as we go too fast, then I feel that's where we do damage. We hurt people. Um, and, and some of that is never repairable. Um, and so that's why I think it's just really important to slow down. And that's kind of been my big, uh, my big thing. Yeah. My, I have a friend that likes to say, uh, my neighbor likes to say, you know, 99% of the things you worry about never happen. And I think that's, okay. that's pretty close. <laughs> I think that's yeah. probably true. Yeah. So Jimmy, thank you so much. Uh, we've taken a lot of your time, but we really appreciate you and we can't wait to have you back here in Fauquier. And what's, where's your next stop? Just out of curiosity, where are you headed next? Yep, I'm headed to uh, Kansas to go. Uh, now I start my fall tour with, uh, again, here's where I'm blessed again, right? I got all these people always taking care of me. So I also do, I'm an advisor for Future Ready Schools. So this starts our fall summit institute season. So we're going to be going all over the country. So if, um, you know, I think we're starting in Kansas, then we'll be in Cincinnati, we'll be in California, we'll be in Connecticut. Uh, we'll be all over the country here. And I, uh, they selected me and I've done this now. This will be my sixth year is I do all of the keynotes and kickoffs for all the conferences. So that starts this season. So I'm headed to Kansas. Then I'm headed to Texas. I'm headed to Texas. In fact, um, I'll be in El Paso the end of the week. And then I'm going to stay in Texas because believe it or not, I'm going to do some hunting. All um, right. Hunting is kicking Great. off. 
and uh, I'm going to take the weekend off to enjoy myself because it's the long stretch. I'm pretty much on the road now all the way until Thanksgiving. So wow. I'll try to have a day here and there. So have some fun. And um, yeah, so it's it's a busy time, busy ride, but I'm ready to go. Feeling good. Lewis wants to know if there's a tour jacket available when you go out on tour starting in, in Kansas. Do we get a, you say it, a tour, tour jacket? Is that what you said? Tour jacket. Like, you know, like they used to do with the, you know, Aerosmith and, you know, uh, <laughs> tour jacket. Lewis, oh, okay. Well, here's my tour jacket. Okay, so watch this. You see what I'm wearing today? David, you can see it, right? So, yeah, Hawkeye, uh, yep. so yeah, the Hawkeye gear, right? Although I'm, you know, I'm always going to be a Hawkeye no matter what, right? Born and raised, graduate, kids graduate from Iowa. Um, but I intentionally wear this when I travel because it's amazing no matter where I go in the country. I can go through an airport. I can walk down the street. Someone will say, go Hawks. And yeah. just like that, it's a conversation starter. And then we just start talking. It's amazing how many people I've met on the road and that there's a connection. Hey, I would say, yep, you got, yep. What year? And then, you know, so, so, yep. And then just like that, we start making these connections with total strangers. I can't tell you how many selfies I've taken with people and send them to other people and say, look who I ran into today. It's crazy, right? How interconnected we are. And all why? Because we're really intentional uh, about connecting with people. So, yeah, that's why I do it. There it is. There's my tour jacket, Lewis. That was great. That's cool. Lewis will be ordering one shortly. That's right. So, but thank, thanks again, Jimmy, man. We really appreciate you. And, and hey, good luck, safe travels, and uh, you know, knock them dead. You're going to be great as always. Thank you. I hope we cross paths too, my friend, Lewis, Tara. Thank you so much for your help. It was so good to see both of you. And David, God bless you for what you do, my man. I'm always thinking about you, praying for you, and I'm so excited. I saw you had a. a was it a wedding here? Did you have a wedding here? Uh, we had a we I, yeah uh, in Denver. And yeah, uh, right. Yeah. And I officiated the wedding, believe it or not. Crazy. One of oh, my, my goodness. It was my congratulations, one. Reverend David. Jack. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks. For, it's actually Reverend <laughs> Dr. David Jack, if you don't mind. Oh there, you, oh, there you go. I like it. Reverend Dr. David Jack. Please forgive me, sir. Please oh, forgive that's me. All right. That's OK. You're forgiven, my son. No problem. I am. Uh, I am Senor Jimmy Casas for you moving forward. Just hey, so you senor, know. Senor. Very good. <laughs> Thank All you. Right, God man. bless Thanks, you. you too. Thank you. Thank you, Tara. Good to see you. Okay. See you, Lewis. Great Take to care. See you. Thank you so much. So inspiring. And we can't wait. We're so excited to read your book and do a little oh, book study like up it. here on it. So I hope thank you, you like it. And when you're ready or you started or you're ending or you're in it, give me know and I'll, I'd love to jump in and chat with you about it. Okay? Oh, super. Great. Right. Thank you. Thanks, God bless. Sir. Okay. Okay. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.